0: Hey, welcome to RushCast. Coming at you every Monday and talking about everything Rush, everything geeky. My name is Jay Mantis, and I'm really glad you're here. I'm glad you downloaded and glad you're listening, however you're doing that. I want to say hi to Sebastian from Sweden. We are expanding Somehow. (laughs) Somehow we're we're hitting different countries seemingly every week. Uh so hi Sebastian, thanks for writing in to me to let me know you're listening. We got a ton of great feedback on Ron Reed's episode from last week. People texted me and saying Ron was a great guest. He had a lot of good things to say. Uh cool discussions, so Again, if you wrote in, thank you very much. Today I have somebody similar to Ron. We're going through these people that have donated to Rushcast to keep us rolling. Please welcome Jim Jim Losby to the show all the way from Illinois. How you doing, Jim?
1: Great. How you doing?
0: Good, man. Uh thank you first and foremost for sending money our way to keep us alive.
1: Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to do so.
0: We're going to have Jim on for the entire episode and uh we're going to I'm going to do the episode as normal. And Jim will be here to send any input or uh, steer the direction in different steer steer us in different directions if we need it uh, do you have a let me let me ask first do you have a uh, an album or two that you like more than the others
1: um you know i've probably got a lot in common with some of the other guests you you kind of have all time favorites like i came on board um Around moving after right after moving pictures came out, so really you know moving pictures through power um, windows is you know that that's sort of like a, a core go-to section or something, and then you start branching out. You go further back uh, as as you know you become come a fan and stuff. But yeah, that's that I you know I'm going to go with moving pictures. Uh, permanent waves um, are always near the top of the list, but there are times where. Um, you, you really get into Crest of Steel or you realize, you know, that uh, Hold Your Fire has just such great stuff on it. Or um... Oh, yeah, I've been listening to uh, a bit of uh, Counterparts recently. And I just this, There's something about the sound of that album after coming off of um, sort of the bright shininess of uh, Presto, or Roll the Bones, where it's got some more depth to it. It's just a bigger sound.
0: Do you remember when that, like, because I was not around. I mean, I was around. I was not hardly walking yet uh, <laughs> you do you remember <laughs> do you remember the re- yeah I wasn't on the scene do you remember the release of counterparts do you remember the first time you heard it
1: I probably heard it um I probably yeah I knew it was coming and um remember hearing uh probably stick it out on the radio at first I'm like okay this is a little
0: this is different
1: <laughs> this is, you know this was this is different it's heavy it's really riffy um, coming, it's sort of uh, kind of a back to more basic sound coming off of all um, the bones a little bit, and you know that was the sort of the word grunge was was still a, a, a word that people used in the time of music. So it was kind of like Russia's grunge album. I think I remember heard it described on the radio. I'm like, no,
0: it's not. <laughs> it's you think loud. that was a product <laughs> of a being in the early '90s? A
1: little bit. I mean, you can sort of see is there. Um, Music has sort of changed and reacted. Sometimes, you know, in the '80s, it was starting to get really sort of shiny and um, really sort of uh, the studio as an instrument kind of thing. And then they swung back to just a heavy kind of sound with not a lot of. I mean, there's a maybe a sneeze of keyboards on the whole uh, counterparts album compared to you know Hold Your Fire. Yeah, for sure.
0: Do you remember like what was your what was your first reaction to the album as a whole when it came out? I'm curious about this because I think it's. Everybody knows it's one of my favorite albums, but uh, the transition from "You Bet Your Life" into something like "Stick It Out" is pretty big.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, no, that that's true. Um, you know, I I really enjoyed it. I, it was weird that it starts off with you, you know, you hear them counting off the song, mm-hmm. um, which has just had such a, a different feel to it. And then, and like in like most Rush albums, at first, you know, when they put together a track list, that first album, the first song on an album is always the what sounds like Rushiest, in a, in a way, or really what's sort of a summary of what they're doing at the time. But, um, yeah, you know, um, there was a bit of chat about uh, Speed of Love and uh, Nobody's Hero and uh, stuff like that. But, yeah, I, I remember really liking it.
0: I'm jealous of the fact that you were, <laughs> you have had all these albums. Like, like the best part for me as a fan is to is the anticipation of a new album and the experience you have in that the first few listens. You know, I'm I'm jealous that oh, you got yeah, to hear all of these as they were new.
1: Well, in back in the old days, um, you know, I I mean, I was on the on the internet then, and probably on. Uh, I'm sure that was still. Natural Midnight Star was certainly still around then. I think so, that, and. That was sort of a way to sort of keep on top of what was going on, because otherwise you're stuck trying to, I don't know, read Rolling Stone or hear what you know the DJ saying on the radio about like an upcoming album. Of, you know. Information was certainly scarce back then, and when you come in at a certain point, this is more for, for, uh, your perspective than mine. But uh, you get interested in the band and find out they've got you know a dozen plus albums for you to slowly work your way back through.
0: Uh, tell me about the National Midnight Star because everybody who's uh, you know, you old guys, what are you like ninety, ninety one?
1: Um, yeah, that, I probably got on
0: there. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, you're like ninety uh, or ninety one years old, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I everybody who's you know pre internet Rush fans talks sends uh, me stuff about that, and I honestly don't know anything about it except that it was a a weekly or a monthly Rush themed magazine or something newsletter. It was
1: sort of a. It was a. Uh, back in the uh, early days of the internet uh pretty much pre-web um yeah the, um you know a it was either Usenet, so you were probably like an alt music rush or you were and or you were subscribed to the national midnight star and that was sort of a hand curated sort of email list if you had a, something to say or a reply to something somebody else had said you send it to the address and um i want to say Jimmy and Meg i don't remember their names offhand they ran the list, and they would sort of curate this list and put it together and send it out, I don't know, a couple of times a week, weekly, depending on what was going on. And that was sort of your source to, like, connect with people. That and a little bit of, um, I'll, I'll say the terrible the word, AOL was um, sort of the way to, you know, find other fans, too.
0: Interesting. I So many people bring up the National Midnight Star that... And what a great name. <laughs> I I want to oh, yeah. have them on the it, it, show. It, it's essentially an early form of what we're doing here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, people would just, you know, it would be short things where people would write, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs about a story about how they got into the band or just some insight on something. It was, and the fact that it was, um, you know, curated together basically meant it wasn't like a lot of, you know... Yeah, but you're a jerk, or
0: you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> that
1: album sucks, or you know, Folger Fire's terrible, or you know, it wasn't you know stuff like that. You know, it, it was nicely, nicely balanced.
0: Uh, if anybody listening can get me the names, I, I mean, I'll look it up uh, after oh. the show, and maybe it's easy to find. But if you know the people that ran the National Midnight Star, send me their info because I'd like to have them on, have them on, talk to them. Uh, so, last week's episode, there's always holes in episodes. There's always a spot where there's an unanswered question or there's something was said that was incorrect or whatever. And I love that my listeners will fill those those holes in. So, James Millsap sends in an email to the show and points out that the Test for Echo drum set was the same as the Vapor Trails drum set. I don't know why, because Neil's always, or at least in the latter half of the career, their career, he's all about having a new kit. So James, maybe you know, uh or if any of you know, why why didn't he change drum sets into Vapor Trails?
1: Uh I you know, I got no idea. Um I figure with that time maybe he was I don't know, maybe you know wasn't into getting a whole new set or just reusing what he had yeah maybe I, it had to I'd do really with fall.
0: the break maybe I don't know maybe he just maybe. he said yeah I'll the one I got is fine
1: I think nowadays in more modern times it's like every album every tour he decides hey I've got a new set so uh, like on the previous episode where um, you were talking about what's your favorite drum set you know I will wa- I I will agree that uh, Moving Pictures era uh Tama's, Tama set is just you know that's the one that I think of
0: yeah I don't think you're alone either the two of you
1: well I remember um when Grace Under I think it was Grace Under Pressure came out when the first electronic kit happened, um on the revolving drum kit. I remember I remember seeing them live and just you know when it spun around you're like, What the hell? <laughs> That's totally weird.
0: <laughs> uh we also talked last week about Stan Getz uh mm-hmm. and this girl from Ipanema uh, rant from oh. Russian Rio. And several people sent in so, uh, some information that I should probably know as a jazz student, uh, and that's right. that Stan Getz was part of the r- group that recorded Girl from Ipanema and kind of made it famous. Uh, so that's uh-huh. why that, ki- that comment sort of ties that all together during that rant. Um, here is... <laughs> Here's Jason uh Jim you're not going to be able to hear this cuz we put it in in post but here's Jim talking about the tuning on Xanadu or not Jim this is Jason Vaughn talking about Xanadu So you just give me give me a second here Jim cuz you won't be able to hear this Okay I knew there was something weird going on with the Xanadu tuning a while ago, when I and it must have been when I sat down with the bass to try to play along with the track. But if you've ever done that, you've noticed the tuning is kind of wacko. Uh, it's in E, but it's not quite tuned to the E that we tune to here in the western part of the world. Uh, and I googled it quickly, and there were a couple kind of makeshift uh scenarios that are solutions. The whole thing seems to be like 20 cents sharp, just a little bit too high. I th- this is my own sort of theory. Are they trying to match the chimes in Xanadu? The chimes, if you don't know what the chimes are, I'm about to blow your mind. Those uh those big percussion bells that Neil played on R40 and in the early days. Are called chimes <laughs> they're not they're not actually called tubular bells. I don't know where tubular bells came from. Maybe Neil said it once, and everybody just ran with it, but they're called chimes <laughs> I don't know I don't know how, where this all came from in the classical world when you know a conductor has the instrument in the back of the section, he talks about you know, I need more from the chimes or i need I need less from the chimes. He doesn't say tubular bells. I don't know, that's something I've always tried to enlighten the world on, I guess. Or maybe in the rock community, that's a thing. But you can't tune chimes. You smack the thing with a hammer and it rings however it rings. So maybe, this is just what I'm thinking, maybe tuning to E normally makes it out of tune with the chimes so they were forced to raise it up a little bit. That's just what I think, I don't know. But they're not tubular bells, I know that for sure. Jim, did you see this Q one oh seven interview? Uh there's been a lot of like was that? a lot of new material with the band promoting R forty. Getty and Alex have been doing a bunch of interviews. Um I don't know the interviewer's name.
1: I saw the one with the guy, but I think there's another one that I just saw a
0: mention of with uh a this woman one was with the woman.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't, haven't caught that one yet.
0: There's uh <laughs> It's a fu- it's it's I'll say it's my favorite Rush interview to watch. Cool. <laughs> There's no, like, can we have women interview Rush more often with like the nice <laughs> jeans and you know, uh, but he somebody tweeted at me and said, hey, did you catch this interview? Uh, they they rip Tai Shan or whatever, and they do. They they you know they ask she asks them what song they sort of regret. And Getty goes, yeah, there's one, tai Shan. Uh, and Let's not all jump on the wagon again and say, oh, Getty said it was an awful mistake, so it's the worst song ever. Uh I don't think, you know, regardless of whether Getty and Alex like it, it's still a thing. It's still a part of the history. And if you enjoy it, then just enjoy it. Don't, if I've if I've been pushing you to kind of appreciate it as a its own thing and you've been going along with me, don't jump back to the where you were a few years ago just because Getty says it was a mistake. It's still a thing, and if you if you enjoy it, you can enjoy it. Um, yeah,
1: I mean they they, you know, certainly gave it their best effort to try. There's stuff I know Neil has mentioned in interviews that sometimes they look at some of their old songs, like you know, a drawing that a kid does does in grade school and you put up on the fridge and, you know, 10, 15 years later, if it's popular, though, you still, it almost seems like, you know, they remember what they are going through at the time or they remember, they hear all the stuff that they should have done. So some of the old stuff, I'm sure, they're just kind of like, oh, you know, what were we thinking, uh, you know, but...
0: And I noticed hey, in the interview, really... they were really, they they joked around a lot. And I could watch, yeah. I thought, I could watch Getty and Alex just sit and talk for hours. And mm-hmm. just the stuff that comes out of Alex's mouth sometimes uh, is hilarious.
1: There's a great bit in the documentary where Getty and Alex are at the diner. at some diner, and the waitress comes up and realizes that Getty's somebody famous, <laughs> but she doesn't know who it is, and she gets his autograph, and Alex is just, like, making faces like he's <laughs> not even there.
0: That's Getty? <laughs> That's Getty? My
1: <laughs> God, you're Getty Lee.
0: Hey, Dave H., who emails the show once in a while, a very, very cool point. He sent in, regarding his songs that he would want to hear on R40 from the albums that were missing, which we'll get to later, he mentioned Lock and Key, and I and he, and he kind of wrote up a little thing about how it would be great live, and I he got me to kind of realize, oh, wait, it really would. Now, I'm not changing my vote from Prime Mover. You'll never get me to do that, but... Lock and key. If if you sit down and listen to that tune, you can you can understand how that would work live really well. And I don't I don't think they. No, they did play it on the Hold Your Fire tour, I believe. I could be wrong about that. What was your selection, Jim? For if you had to hear one Hold Your Fire song live on R forty, what would it be?
1: Uh, let me see. Um... Well, I, I, okay, I've heard Mission. The uh, first you know, I I I think I'm gonna agree with what somebody might have said earlier. I'm surprised they didn't do. Um, second Nature would have worked with like strings, do it sort of acoustically. Yeah, up, right?
0: and there's there are rumors that they uh, consider doing it acoustic. Second Nature.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say that. I'm over for sure too. I mean, I I like turn. I would have like turned the page only because Getty has mentioned in the past. Um, I know they did that on uh, show of hands. You know that he wrote this incredible bass part, and then he had to figure out like how to play it and sing at the same time. And when you just watch the video, you're like, I I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> it's like you know a, a head grafted onto like a robot body, or he has like robot hands or
0: something. Let's let's talk about the results of this. Um of our digital discussion last week so we asked you know r40 left off test for echo presto hold your fire and power windows those albums weren't represented on the set list so if they were what if you had to pick one song from each one what would you do um i said uh i said time and motion and i said uh let me think i said show don't tell prime mover and of course emotion detector and the results were interesting as usual. Let's go to Power Windows. Emotion Detector ran away. It ran away from the other tracks. The second was Middletown, which is weird because mm-hmm. we heard it last tour. But Emotion Detector just it killed, slaughtered the rest of them. What would you take from Power Windows, Jim?
1: I'm gonna have to go with the crowd and say Emotion Detector. Sure, it's yeah. a great song. I mean, I like hearing was it Grand Designs in the previous? Oh, movie? totally. Yep. You know, so so I I was happy to hear that, especially since you know, it's not it was certainly not a hit. <laughs> you know, it's not Magic no right. Money or Marathon or Mystic Rhythms. Um but yeah, or uh, you know, in territories had have been played I think probably on a couple tours before. But yeah, Motion Detector is certainly a great tune.
0: Would you well would you rather take take Grand Designs which got no votes and take Middletown <laughs> which came in second? Both of those were played on clockwork wouldn't you rather have Grand Designs more than Middletown again?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I like, you know, if push comes to shove, I, I, I'll, I like the song more.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's move over to Hold Your Fire. Prime Mover was my go-to. Uh, Prime Mover ran away with it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah. two for two on the, the two that are kind of easier. Uh, Lock and Key and Mission were both tied for second. Mission's fantastic, and I can understand that. Turn the Page got no votes. <laughs> and I'm surprised more, by more. that. Maybe maybe they had your insight, Jim.
1: Well, I mean, it had been, you know, maybe people, uh, some people have thought it, well, it had been played before or something, and I, I don't know.
0: Moving on to Presto. Well, I'm, let me ask you, Jim, what was your Presto choice? I said Show Don't Tell, and maybe Red Tide is a close second.
1: Um, I was surprised that they they worked up Presto uh, a couple tours ago. <laughs> I really liked hearing that. Um, you know, I would I still think they could have pulled off available
0: light live. I would. Have, you know, oh, you're one of these available available light guys. <laughs>
1: you know, there's there's something uh, to be said about the last song on every album too. That yes, that's definitely yeah, you know.
0: I don't, and and I think it works really well as a that coveted last spot in the album, which has mm-hmm. holds uh, more importance on the album than maybe the ones that come right before it. To me, but I don't know if it. Mm-hmm. But to me, this is just me i don't see how it could work live uh,
1: yeah it but might be might be tough but uh not to say yeah. it couldn't
0: and there are songs that oh, right. i hear and go "Oh, this like ghost of a chance i never thought would work and it kills live
1: mm-hmm.
0: presto in our little survey every song on the album got at least one vote which that was, was in- interesting and i think about the songs on this album available Light got a uh, came in second by the way the Pass got a vote. Hand Over Fist, Anagram got several votes. Uh, so, Interest Scars and Superconductor both got one. So, the winner was Chain Lightning. And uh, as I'm hmm. looking... The thing with Chain Lightning is, and I've said this before, the solo is a recorded solo that was reversed by Alex. So, you hear the oh, yeah. solo and it's actually backwards. And that's hard to reproduce forward you know play the backward solo but in real time forward in a right. live setting so he, my prediction is if they ever play that in the future live I think you get a completely and utterly improvised solo from Alex I don't think he even tries to make it sound like the original I think he just takes that space and says I'm going to do whatever I want here
1: yeah yeah, that's a, that's a chance to arrange it or try something different every night or something
0: but Chain Lightning as a song the rest of the song would actually be really nice live mm mm-hmm. and test for echo every song on test for echo got at least one vote except limbo and resist really and i was surprised by that considering all the I other songs little... that people tend to hate
1: you know um virtuality kind of i think Neil was a little late to uh the internet in a way so i think that's why virtuality is certainly a bit awkward um I've always not been able to wrap my head around color of right. If I had to rank them all uh, on the record, that would probably be at the bottom of the stack.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I would, I you know, I would have to vote for uh, if, to hear. I would rather hear Totem or Dog Ears. Put me in the pro dog ears camp.
0: <laughs> oh, and then this is perfect, man, because I got something real tasty coming up for you. If you're in the pro dog ears camp, uh, you said There's like
1: a weird. There's like a weird litmus test, probably, where you could go, Taishan, yes or no? Yeah, yes yeah, that's
0: no. what I'm saying. You know, uh, <laughs> well, let me let me get to that in a minute. Uh, test for Echo. My vote. Time of Motion got one other vote, so that makes me feel great, guys. Thank you very much. But uh, Dog Years got a few votes. Uh, Driven came in second. Totem came in third. And the winner was the title track. People want to hear Test for Echo live, and they haven't done it since that tour, so I understand.
1: Hey, I'm surprised they made a video for uh, half the world.
0: Yeah, it's not a bad video either. No, no, not at all. Not it's at like all. Yeah, it's I like was always a green you know, happy video. To see them make a video
1: anytime an album came out for a while. Right. So yeah, I believe there's one for Driven too.
0: And you know, and actually, some people argue. Donna Helper said Driven was her favorite video. Yeah. Uh, that's a it's a pretty good one. I don't think there's anything for Clockwork other than the Headlong Flight lyric video, which shows none of the band and really nothing that's a at all one, i think too which also shows nothing but the like background oh, yeah, from the live thing right
1: right it's just some animation stuff and some words
0: and yeah. and we we know the band doesn't love music videos so that's not super surprising right uh, so a second ago we were talking about Te- what were we talking about um oh Tyshawn and Dog Ears uh I'm talking to my dad on the phone the other day. I said, this guy emailed me and that listener knows who he is. I won't say his name. <laughs> he emails me often and he's ripping apart emotion detector. And I, it, it genuinely rots away. It eats away at my heart. It hurts. It breaks my heart to hear what this guy says. He says, you know, emotion detector is a weak song and it, he said the reason Alex's solo is so great is because in the rest of the tune he has nothing to do and is completely swallowed up by synthesizers and an obnoxiously busy bass part. Hmm. I I could not disagree more and like I said it it eats away at my insides to even think that somebody could say that. So he said, "Oh, we'll just agree to disagree." And I I guess I guess he's done with that. Um I guess I can't convince him, but he this person also said in the same email i actually like tai shan or or dog years or one of those and i'm like how (laughs) how can how is this person uh not on board with the motion detector but completely on board with the ones everybody hates um i don't know a peep i guess everybody's different but uh you know nothing against that guy he knows who he is and i love that he's a listener and i love that he writes in uh but uh I guess everybody's different. We got Bill Middletown Meyer who just doesn't can't understand what Middletown Dreams is about. That's weird, but you know, you do you, Bill. So this guy's just <laughs> another one of those guys who falls into that category. Uh Dog Years. So my dad said to me recently, he's like he listened to an episode a few weeks ago where somebody said something about Dog Years and he calls me up and he goes, "I want to do a whole episode defending Dog Years." okay a whole episode (laughs) uh i don't know if i can fill a whole episode but we're we are gonna defend it and my dad did some research and found a really good blog post about defending dog years where is it uh let me tell you what that is i'm not gonna read the whole thing i'm not gonna read any of it because you need to read it as a whole uh crap i have it here guys i promise dog years defense by the way, Joshua is a listener who defends dog years, and he sent me like a, a defense with some uh, some references to the actual song. It was really kind of clever. It's called Serene Musings Blog by Scott Christmas. I looked to get Scott Christmas on the show today to defend it verbally, but he was virtually impossible to get a hold of. He's like an author or something. He must be important. My dad says... Uh, hey, I figured out a new trilogy. You got the Fear Trilogy in Rush's catalog. How about the Time Trilogy? And that starts with, I think I'm going bald. And then it goes to Time Stands Still. And it ends with Dog Years. So my dad's big argument, and anybody who defends Dog Years, is that you, you're you're just scratching the surface if you think the lyrics are juvenile. There's it, They're actually very deep, and almost every line has a deeper meaning or a reverse meaning or... Or some sort of parallel attached to it. And you'll read about that in the blog. Uh, I will tweet the blog. And... Oh, guys. You don't even understand. I'm writing it down. Which means it's actually going to happen. That's a big... Is (laughs) that not a big deal, Kevin? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Serene Musings. Serene Musings. Yeah. It's a good read. So, Jim, what are your... What's your defense of dog ears? Do you just... Do you like it at it? you take it at face value, and you like it as a song, or, or do you dig deeper and like what's the, what you find there?
1: You know, I, I think it shows that they've got a real sense of humor, um, which is refreshing. And um, it's sort of—I can't imagine they spent you know days and days writing and arranging it. It's just sort of a straight-ahead sort of rock and roll. It's got a little punkish kind of feel to it. Um, and uh, it's just funny. There's a sense of humor to it, but there's you know there's truth in in, in, in what they're saying I won't how we get t- time flashes by can flash by quickly or slowly. And-
0: I won't accept the argument that the the lyrics are poor because like this like oh, Scott right. Christmas and people who defend the song say there's a lot going on, and if you don't like the lyrics, you're just not understanding what's happening here. I will, however, if you come to me and say, musically, I don't enjoy Dog Years, I will shake your hand and say that's cool, man. You know, like I'm with you. If if you want to come to me and say in the grand scheme of things of everything Rush has written, Dog Years is at the bottom musically, I would say sure, that's, I'm on board. Uh, In fact, for me, I I thought, I'm talking to my dad still, I'm saying what is it for me that, that makes Dog Years like not a track that I play very often at all? It's not the lyrics. It's it's something else. And for me, it's the hook. It's Getty singing dog ears in the chorus. Like the mm-hmm. the foreign guy we played at the end of one of our episodes who had a brilliant comedy moment. Uh and you need to hear that. It's at the end of a, an episode a couple weeks ago. He's making fun of oh, that yeah, hook. Yeah, I heard that. That that to me is just a poor poor melody. That's not like a weird
1: interval or something.
0: Yeah, it's
1: uh, I'm just
0: so that's my beef with it. That that's me saying to Getty, you can do better, dude. Write a better melody. Uh, Somebody pointed out the end of the tune. It kind of goes into like a double time in the drums, Hmm. like the last four bars, Um, and that is a really cool musical moment. So the song's got good stuff going on maybe in the future we'll do like a mini segment with my dad where he can come on and get really like italian angry he you can like you know he's like waving his hands around and yelling but even though you can't see him <laughs> oh man i didn't know i was about to have a dog years defender on the show that's a big that's like anytime i have any a, a Taishan defender they're very rare creatures So we're going to do, an uh, we're calling it the 2016 album series, starting in the first week of the new year. We're going to start at the bottom, start with the title uh, album, or yeah, the self-titled album, and we're going to move all the way up chronologically, including the solo albums, including feedback. So I need you, if you think you're an expert at one of these albums, and they're filling up fast, so send them in to me, please.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll certainly give it some thought.
0: Uh, do you have an album yeah. that you think you might do, Jim?
1: Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Signals. If, yeah. if there's a dearth of Signals people, I can bone up on that. Or Grace Under Pressure, for
0: sure. And Jim's a great... It, like Signals would be great for Jim because I, I'd really want, if I can, I want to have somebody on who is around for the release of... Or who can really speak... On the release of the album, what was it like? What was the reception of the album? What I want you to talk about track order. I want you to talk about Mm -hmm. uh, you know alternate takes, whatever, whatever you can find. Just do a whole episode on signals or whatever. Um, If you think you can do that for one of these albums, please send me an email as soon as possible because they're filling up fast. Sure. Cool. All right, so let me think. You got. Moving pictures is your favorite. Yeah. Signals is. Uh, you said permanent waves is close second. Signals is probably up there, right?
1: Signals is up there, and Grace under pressure are are up there.
0: All right. Well, that's hey, a nice little pressure, cluster. I
1: mean, hell, you could do a, a series. You could do a show on the way Neil writes about weather. <laughs> you have a weather themed <laughs> show.
0: Give me some examples.
1: Um. Well, you know, uh, Red Tide—it's more environmental. Um, uh, ch- chain Lightning—you uh, <laughs> you, you know, the, just lyrically how he, you know, talks about weather, uh, sundogs, um, sundogs, uh, Force Ten. Do you know you what sundogs
0: are? Because I only recently found out.
1: Yep, yep. Saw someone uh, recently. You recently saw one here.
0: It's like yep. it's like a phenomenon with the sun or something, right, on the horizon.
1: Yeah, the, the sun, and if there's uh, ice crystals in the atmosphere a certain way, you'll see sort of a bright spot to the left and and right. I forget how many degrees off from the uh, from the sun.
0: What was? Uh, are you a musician?
1: Uh, kinda. Yeah. Well, I I play bass.
0: Oh, you're a bass player. Cool. All right. Let, let I me. Was a, I, I was have...
1: originally a tube tubist coming up through school, and then uh, a couple Classic. years ago I realized I should have <laughs> should have been playing bass all this time so um
0: there's a lot of famous jazz bass players who did the same thing
1: oh um yeah i put down i put down trying to become a decent acoustic guitar player and started playing bass so i've been doing that for a couple of years for fun it's like you know
0: sure as opposed to every other musician who doesn't do it for fun oh right (laughs) (laughs) well uh, wh- I'm sure I've seen some of them. <laughs> well, you've seen a lot of different bases live, then from Getty. Do you have one that really that you like better than the others, or like what year was his bass tone really dialed in?
1: You know, there's something about the sort of moving pictures era tone. But, it's, I mean, it's Getty. You know, if he picks up the bass that I have, the, one of the basses I have sitting in the corner of my office right now, he's going to sound like Getty. <laughs> yep. If it's a $300 jazz bass or, you know, whatever, he's, he's still going to sound like, like himself. But there's a, um, I had come across the, uh, somebody had ripped the soundtrack off of the um, DVD of uh, Exit Stage Left, and there's the medley that they play. Uh, at the end, and he, I think he's playing his Rick, and the bass tone is just, like, insane.
0: Oh, yeah, let me, so you said the medley at the end of Exit, right? Yeah. I'm going to check yeah, that the,
1: out. The, yeah, it's like the 2012 uh medley at the end. It's, just it's like, 10 or 12 minutes long, and just his tone is insane, and they're running all... It's back when you had to have, plug your uh, instrument into a cable, and you were sort of tethered <laughs> on stage, but he, he and Alex are running around in the video, and... Just his tone is insane back then.
0: Having those like you said, you're tethered by cables. It looks so funny in those old videos now. You'll realize how good they probably don't realize how good they have it being wireless.
1: Oh yeah, you, you know, you see Alex He's like walk up from the front stage and he'd sort of walk back by his amp. too. So walk <laughs> like a yo yo. He'd walk up to the front stage and you walk back by his amp.
0: <laughs> I always wondered if there was like a key grip or something. Some guy whose job it was to like snake his cable. And, like, if he runs the other side of the stage and then runs back, is he, like, pulling the cable back? you got to think
1: somebody's doing that. There's, like, slack in there to, like, signal him.
0: Get back! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you brought up Red Tide, and that reminded me. My dad said that, oh, there's this other trilogy that even the band doesn't know about in their writing. What are some other trilogies we can think of? Uh, And that's going to be today's digital discussion. What are some trilogies that you can come up with? My dad came up with one uh, earlier. You mentioned Jim. You mentioned "Gangster of Boats." What are the other two songs in the "Gangster of Boats" trilogy?
1: Uh,
0: Do you know? Like, I, are is it two songs from their catalog?
1: Um, I'm trying to remember. Um,
0: or maybe that might be a reference, like a some sort of joke.
1: Yeah, I mean, Where's My Thing is in
0: there. There's no gangster boat trilogy, I guess, per se. Um, here's my trilogy I
1: made four, up. I mean, part four came out first of the trilogy stuff. So.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it is part four. I think that's a joke. Yeah, my thing? That so um, I think I read that somewhere. I think. Leave
1: that thing alone. Is that part of it, too? I don't
0: know. Here's here's the one I came up with. And I did this on the fly, and then I had to I had to run catch a subway. Uh, the Red Trilogy red barchetta red lenses red tide there you go there's a trilogy that's easy somebody who's got there's got <laughs> to be a theme some other themes throughout the catalog that people can come up with i'm sure you've got something uh time
1: spent still time in motion um dog years is about time in yep a way. the passage of time you could certainly you know do an anti or a trilogy like that
0: yeah my dad threw in i think i'm going bald at the beginning of that trilogy <laughs>
1: sure that's getting old. I'm almost surprised they didn't like at least sort of quote that. How
0: can they not? You know, playing
1: oh. like a little medley or something.
0: How do they not, like as a band that's known for joking about themselves, a band that has Alex Lifeson in a fat suit every five years, how <laughs> are they that- not, like you said, at least quoting it? Like at the end of a concert, just three or four measures of that song would make my life. Because the guy yeah, who wrote a song called "I Think I'm Going Bald" actually went mm-hmm. bald,
1: and then the song they really don't like is "Tyson." <laughs> so, does that mean that they're going to do what you know? That that's a great that point. The would be "I Think I'm Going Bald."
0: <laughs> also, can we agree that was the closest they ever got to sounding like Leonard Skinner? Yeah, and maybe yeah. that in itself was like.
1: Eh. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that. You know, that, that's the difficult. Uh, Press of steel album where they i think that's one of those times where they just kind of they have bad memories associated with it so they really don't want to touch any of that
0: stuff let's talk about the r40 dvd the two of us jim and i do not own it is that correct it's on order it's on order okay so just, you you will own it
1: it might be a christmas present to myself
0: right <laughs> uh yeah people people you guys are emailing me the release was a couple days ago you know, Jay, yeah. what do you think of the new album? What do you think of the, the production, the audio, and the blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, you guys, I am way too poor to be buying R40 right now. New York City is kicking I, my butt.
1: Yeah, hey, I like what I've saw on i seen on YouTube. I think, you know, I'm getting a feeling it was really well shot.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Santa will be a nice guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think Santa's a listener, too, of the show. <laughs> um. You know, when Clockwork came out, I remember sitting in my dorm a few years ago, and they released the promo for The Garden off of Clockwork mm-hmm. Angels Live, and that was the first time I saw a promo for a live DVD and thought, or a live movie, I guess, and th- and thought, oh, this is going to be different. Like, they had a lot of different camera angles, um, and it was different. Did you see anything that where you thought like, oh, that's a that's a new angle or that this sounds different. Was there any of that for you?
1: I you know, I think they realize if they really want to capture a show, it, they just can't, you know, stick three cameras on the stage and one above Neil that they can catch you every now and then. But, you know, there's stuff where they're facing the crowd, there's stuff almost deep within the crowd where you can get the you know, here's what the cheap seats are gonna see and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I think they're taking more and more they've taken it more and more seriously. I do like that uh Every tour there's you know, some there's a live D V D from that. I think that's that's great. Because yeah. there's there's stuff that I've collected bootlegs over the years and there was always Auburn Hills shows that seemed to be vaguely pro shot in out of Detroit or wherever. You know, that was great. But, you know, they certainly weren't into really lost opportunities to, you know, shoot all these tours back in the eighties and nineties.
0: And it's so funny, like, after Snakes and Arrows, they announced, hey, you know, the tour's over for Snakes and Arrows, but we're going to make a movie out of it, too. It was pretty clear, like, oh, they're just going to do this after every tour from now on. And that's... Oh, yeah, I'd be surprised they they, they didn't. And they, they must sell so well. That's why they thought, you know, we'll just always do this now. This will be a thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and I look at it this way. If you go back on some sites and read interviews back from... I probably at some point in the late '80s, I realized at some point that every tour that they've done since then is like a bonus. I look at it and bring it back around to probably some of the recent interview stuff where they're not sure if they're going to tour again or whatnot. Mm-hmm. There's talking, there's stuff. I swear, there's interviews in the in the '80s where they're like, "Well, maybe we'll tour after every other album." I mean, we like touring, <laughs> but it's just such a how'd that work out? For in our life and and stuff. So you know, I looked at every time I've seen them. I didn't get to see Power Windows or Hold Your Fire. But I've seen everything from signals on at least at least once. So, you know, <laughs> everything every time they go on tour, I'm like, oh, good, it's a bonus.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. Their career is so long that really we oh, yeah. we have been spoiled, especially right, you. You've that, been spoiled you're more you're than me. Money,
1: that's how you're going to make money in the business these days too. You got to get a, get out there and tour. Sure. But uh, yeah, I've, I've looked at it. Everything that comes out, it you know, since probably the late '80s has been you know, it's just a bonus.
0: So I'll have R40 in a few weeks, <laughs> or yep. like a little over a month, and by the time I talk about it on RushCast, people will be like, that's old news, man. <laughs> uh, I guess somebody in the crew had like an R50 jacket on. I think Alec told me that, which is fun, <laughs> which is great, Um, and it's definitely a joke. I love, you know, this, these interviews that came out, I think it was Q107, the one I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And Neil or uh, Ged and Alex really kind of threw Neil under the bus. They made it. I mean, I've we all.
1: Weird, there's like a weird tone where they're like, "Well, you know, Neil's kind of like not on board with like touring again." Yeah,
0: like we all knew, knew that. Hey guys. Yeah, we all knew right. that was the case. But they and they always kind of fish around that general idea. But this time they came right out. They were like you know, is this the end of Rush, or will there be more touring? And they looked at each other, and they were like, well, Ged and I really want to keep playing. <laughs> that, right. That's what he said. <laughs> uh, so
1: I guess, you know... Hearten, it was heartened to hear in one of the interviews recently where Alex basically says... It is funny, because I think Alex tends to say more stuff that he maybe shouldn't say yeah you're right in interviews where he's like yeah you know after the holidays getting I, you know i know i'm gonna do some stuff and i'm pretty sure getty is you know we're gonna get together after the holidays and start you know going to the basement of somebody's studio and basically start you know writing some stuff and we'll start sending stuff to neil and see how he feels right so. and
0: ged knows if they do that and don't release anything they're in hot water with people like you and me <laughs> so oh, yeah. i guess alex just doesn't register like oh you know i shouldn't promise things like that <laughs>
1: And, you know, maybe they'll start doing shorter things. They'll do short tours. You know, maybe they'll play 20 dates and then so many months later play 20 dates somewhere else. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. And we, we all, we talk about Neil like that, but we understand. Like, we all, we're grateful for, to Neil. We appreciate everything he's done and we understand he has a family now. None of, none of us right. are going to, you know, jump on his back and say, why aren't you working? Um,
1: Right, exactly.
0: But, uh, Stop caring about your family and some service <laughs>
1: the
0: band. Especially that UOS, guy. You know. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's I, always the UOS guy.
0: But it's, I was talking to our, our correspondent, Chad, and he, he asked me about what I thought about, um, more solo albums. Oh. And I said, you know, it's weird. Like, it almost feels like Getty and Alex are about to peak. Like, they're still almost the best musicians they'll ever be does that make sense like why is it now like rush's career is virtually over and getty's like wanting to play more than ever and he's collecting more bases and he's learning to play differently and that's lighting a fire under alex's butt. you know i can t- i i think there's no way those two don't record something it whether separate or together i think we have more solo albums to come that's what i'm saying
1: I'm sure there. I'm sure there's something. Because they talk about, you know, they came a couple tours ago, they talked about coming off the tour and just being like some of in the best shape, playing shape in recent memory, and they just want to keep going, and it's probably hard to just, I don't know, it's like if you train for a marathon, then you run the marathon, and then now, you know, now what do you do? You still, you've been running for months, you know, miles and miles each day kind of thing, and, you know, you just want to keep going with that fitness and that energy you have and whatnot. And I suppose it's kind of hard for them to, you know, all right, now
0: what?
1: <laughs> uh, Jim, this has been... buy a... more bases, you know, I, I right. like more
0: weird things. Wine, you know. baseball, Uh more wine, yeah, you know, that's great. <laughs> uh, I wonder how much Getty's drinking after the Blue Jays didn't quite make it all the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim, this is a great episode, man, and I'm so appreciative of everything you've done for us.
1: Yeah, no problem, no problem, glad to help.
0: Uh, we seem to have a lot of Midwestern listeners and contributors to the show everybody's from like illinois indiana ohio so that's really cool i don't know why that is but it's really cool uh do you want people to follow you on twitter uh sure if you want um i'm ivory tower on twitter you're what on twitter
1: ivory tower
0: ivory tower okay cool yep sweet thanks a lot man no problem happy to be on cool that was a good episode jim is welcome on the show anytime just like any of our guests uh so great hey no come in here Bring. no i don't wanna (laughs) no all right we're gonna do this we're gonna have alec on mic too all right right, we have we have producer kevin all right Uh, your mic should be on right it is on let me hear alec check one. Yo, two. it's Yo. nice to hear you. Okay, so we got Kev- producer Kevin and Alex Cisco, my buddy. We're going to do a Knickerbocker episode here in a second, but we're going to have him on the end of Rush cast here. We're going to do a brand new segment. I don't know how it's going to go. It might burn. It might crash and burn. It might. Was that a rush reference? Or are you already doing it? <laughs> See, I don't know. I don't I don't know nothing, which is perfect. <laughs> and Alex, what do you know about Rush? Neil Pert. You know Neil Peart is. I love him. You love that guy even though you can't say his name right. Okay
1: what uh, <laughs> how do how do you say
0: his name right how do, how do you pronounce that correctly uh you it's neil peart are you serious but yes but it's okay and you're a percussionist oh my goodness you're a drummer i, I am big that is that was big but but uh, a lot of people didn't know that until recently when they heard neil peart say his own name exactly he's always so quiet i mean i spent <laughs> that's true i spent a long time like laughing at people who said Peart. i'm like you <laughs> don't even know how to say his name <laughs> <laughs> and that that they were right. Okay, so this new segment is called Rush Buzzwords with Kevin. Here we go. Mm-hmm. We got some music for. You. We got some music for your own segment. Okay, I'm gonna throw some buzzwords at you guys. You tell me the first. These are Rush buzzwords, Rush things, titles, lyrics. You tell me the first thing that comes into your brain. You got it, Kevin. You're up first. Jacob's Ladder. I played with shoots uh, and Ladders as a child And my dad uh, had a speech impediment And that's what they played <laughs> To get over a speech impediment Chutes and Ladders That's a true story <laughs> Alright Alec A tortoise from Galapagos Yes that was the name of my first tortoise Actually And he <laughs> was from Galapagos <laughs> Straight from Galapagos Kevin uh, Catch the spit No <laughs> Of Salesman of men. <laughs> I've seen that. It's so good. I've, Death of a salesman and of mice and yes. men. It's very mm-hmm. confusing. Yes, a lot exactly. of dying in the Available light. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's like a basement. We need, like, need a lot of lights. Oh, sure. You know, sure. I like it. Cold fire. Warm ice. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Last one. The odds get even my family are horrible gamblers uh, and I don't mean like we have a problem maybe we do but we're just bad at it that's the problem if we were good at it it wouldn't be a problem see you next week brought to you no, by- I say it, brought to you by Knickerbocker